This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roar, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, rolling through here, Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com, Seattle Sports app. Mike McDonald will join us at 9.30 this morning. Really excited to talk to him for the first time. And yes, uh, the football season came to a dramatic close in overtime last night, Brock. Yeah. Pretty good game. It Not a good gr- game. I wouldn't put it in like the all-time elite Super Bowls. No. But it was a good game, certainly in the second half and overtime. It was yep. close. And Mahomes did his thing, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was kind of like the halftime performance. It started slow. Wow, this is kind of slow. I'm about to fall asleep here, especially with all the food in my stomach. And then it just picked up and kind of exploded at the end into a great great story. And, uh, yeah, so the game, a a little bit reflective of what I thought was, uh, man, Usher is a sweater. Goodness gracious, that guy sweats a lot. Bless his heart. He was working hard. Mm-hmm. And those guys in the first half, they were sweating and they were working hard, but there was very little to show for it. Yeah, and then the second half, it uh, it came to life. It, it felt like a little bit, honestly, and Molly kept saying this. She's like, gosh, does this feel kind of boring? I'm like, doesn't it feel like both teams just don't want to make that mistake? Both play callers, both, you know, they just know that they're pretty evenly matched and let's just get this game to the fourth quarter because you can't win it in the first or the second. You can lose it. And either team, it felt like wanted to lose it, get this game to the second half. And then, I don't know, man, Mahomes is, uh, he's chasing down Tom. I mean, he is chasing him down. And and quite honestly, Salk, I never thought I would say that in my lifetime. Right. I, would, I never thought we would have anybody, any LeBron Jordan comparison, anybody to compare Tom Brady to. But now he's got three, a chance to go three in a row. And this felt like his weakest team around him that was banged up, that was injured, that didn't have the star power on the perimeter, but he just elevated. And when it mattered the most, he's, I don't yeah. know, I've never said this before, but he's like Jordan. I feel like he's like Jordan now. Like if he has a chance at the end of the game, somehow, some way, the dude is just going to win. Well, he certainly does seem to find a lot of ways. On the Brady thing, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that comp, and he does have a shot at it, certainly. I think you still have a long way to go. Brady had three in 2004. So, like, yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like, Brady yeah. had a whole second act to that yes. career. There yes, was, like, the did. early Patriots, the late Patriots, then the yep. Bucks. So, I don't know. I, I, I think you got a little ways to go before I'm, I'm ready to have that conversation. But the second part, the Jordan, the just when he decides it's hammer time to just – That's right. He does it. And I, I think that it really seems to come alive with the way Andy Reid calls those games. Mm-hmm. It just seems like they put you in a bind. Like, they find a way in those big third and one, fourth and one, third and three, whatever it is – to make a player have to make a decision yep. where they have, you know what I almost compare it to is like tic-tac-toe or connect four where you're trying to put somebody in a bind where it's like, well, if you click on this one, if you put your X here, I'm putting my O there and I win. Mm-hmm. Right. And it just seems like, well, okay, if you want to guard Travis Kelsey, then Hardman's going to be wide open. Yeah. And if you want to go for the receiver, then Mahomes is going to run for seven or eight yards. They seem to have really created so many bad choices for the defense. Yes, and uh, kind of a similar parallel would be they speed up the opponent and they slow down. 
They find a way in those moments to just speed up that opponent, whether it's through some formation or a little bit of motion, same motion and back-to-back Super Bowls down in the red zone, certainly in the red zone. He's got so much creativity. He's got his legs on fourth down. Titus was like, was that a triple option? I mean, in that play was, could have handed it off. Kind of looked like it, right? Yep. Yep. He could have handed it off. Didn't want to do that. Knew the defense was outnumbered. Then I'm going to get to the edge. And if they take Kelsey, then I've got enough room and enough spring in my legs to go get six, seven, eight yards and, and just put a, gosh, just another dagger again and again and again. But when the game speeds up in those big moments, kind of like Jordan, it just always felt like Jordan played under such control amidst just the chaos of the moments. He just never blinked. And Mahomes now on this stage, Salk just doesn't blink, doesn't blink. And even against Tampa where he's hitting, he's harassed and, and they're getting after him. I mean, he was still superhuman. I mean, he's making throws. If you remember back to that Super Bowl where he's fully prone in the air and just flicks the ball 30, 40 yards <laughs> down the field. Like, who is this guy and how does he do it? And I think he does it with some humility in class too, man. You know, every one of those interviews after the game, when he's on the stage, you knew Kelsey was going to make it a show and make it about himself. Mahomes doesn't. No. And, uh, my gosh, he is something special. He lets something, his wife do that for him. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's the one to go to try and steal the spotlight. <laughs> he just goes out and plays. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's pretty good. I, it's really difficult to come up with anything negative to yeah. say about Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. Yep. I don't know what it would be if you were to even try to come up with something. Um, so, yeah, good game. What'd you learn? Like, what what does it tell you about today's NFL? What does it what does it make you think and assume and and want for the Seahawks moving forward? Anything? It's just a reminder how hard it is to lift that trophy, man. Just how hard, how great a team, how complete a roster you can have. How you can have Mister Irrelevant making nine hundred thousand dollars, and you can bring in Chase Young, and you can bring in Gregory, and you can bring in all these pieces, Salk. And as we talked about, you and me and everybody leading into that game, like. On, on, the, on paper, on the roster, can you imagine if Mahomes had that roster? Can you imagine if he had Kittle and Iuk and Debo and McCaffrey and Trent Williams <laughs> and all those toys to play with? Like, the better roster was San Francisco. The greatest player on earth is Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So... I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, or faulty in building just a complete elite roster. San Francisco has gotten to do that. Some high draft picks and and overcame the Trey Lance failure and built an unbelievable roster around a very good game facilitator in Brock Purdy. But he's not Mahomes. Right. And Kurt Warner, like you know, you wrote last night, was resonating in my mind like he resonated in yours. And, you know, how how much – do you put into trying to find that unicorn, mm-hmm. that that just guy that is just different? And there's not, I mean, Josh Allen's not Patrick Mahomes at this nope. stage. Aaron Rodgers isn't Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's just there's nobody. Yeah, Lamar no Jackson, Mahomes. I mean, Lamar, so... Lamar Jackson's got some elite elite traits, and you yep. kind of want to put him on that tier. And I'm sure on Mike Sando's tier list next next fall, he's he's going to be in tier one. But there's just a different just different heading. Like Super Mario Brothers, man, you go to a different land when you got when you got Mahomes. As so, so let me read you uh, a tweet I saw this morning, and I'm curious where what you would make of this. This is from Evan Cohen, who hosts the uh, that morning show on ESPN Radio now. And Evan mm-hmm. says, "I totally get the sentiment that the Chiefs won in a down year for them, but I would argue they're built exactly the right way: Hall of Fame quarterback, Hall of Fame tight end, elite defense, no money spent on wide receivers or running backs." Yep. Perfectly done, in my opinion. Yeah. You've got to elevate. 
you know, and for a lot of those years and, and, you know, you can just say, and, and look in the rear view mirror if you want to and write the narrative. Well, I mean, Russell was on a great team. Come on now. Russell had a great defense, but what did Russell do in those years in, in 12, 13, 14, 15 with his wizardry, he made street tight ends playmakers. Right, he he. It didn't matter what the receiving core was, whether you'd spent some money on Sidney Rice or you had, you know, undrafted free agents. Like he he got the most out of the people around him. Mm. And if you're going to pay your QB in this league forty, fifty million dollars and two hundred plus million dollars, that guy's got to elevate. He's got to elevate everybody around him, just as Tom Brady did. I mean, Tom Brady did that salt for lots of years. It wasn't as if New England. Remind me. I mean, they brought in Randy Moss. Did New England spend a ton of dough? on their receivers in their first three Super Bowls? Uh, exactly the opposite. Exactly. It was the line of scrimmage, right? It was Rabel. It was Willie McGinnis. It was Seymour. It was, you know, it, now the offensive line he even made look good. So there was a lot of resources on that defense. Now you go, you go make everybody better. <laughs> and just, and I hate to make it that myopic, and I hate to make it so quarterback-centric because well, I, I think what you're so saying is easy to do. Yeah, and I, I think Evan's point is a good one for when you have a great quarterback. Yes. Right. It's it's an interesting. Okay. If you've got a great quarterback, stop spending the rest of your resources on weaponry for him and make him make whoever you can find great. Yep. yep. Go find and make great yourself the players on the field that the quarterback doesn't affect mm-hmm. the defense, maybe the line of scrimmage, et cetera. Go make them great with your, with your player personnel department yep. and force the quarterback to make the rest of the skill position guys. Great. Yes. And I yes. think there's a lot of value to that as, as a, yep. as a, as a, as a team builder, but that only works if you got a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think and it's by, not just and by the way, Holmes, JJ McCarthy, five or six of those guys. Yeah, And by the way, JJ McCarthy, that's what Michigan's whole deal was too. Michigan's about the line of scrimmage, True. front seven. I mean, we're, we're going to play elite defense, and we're going to really allocate. And in college, you do that through recruiting and transfers and everything else, development, line of scrimmage. We're going to be a line of scrimmage team. And, J.J., you got to make the people around you better. Hmm. you got to make these tight ends better. And they had a couple good ones through the years. You know, when, when you've got a, a weapon outside or you got a shot to take, you got to do it. You've got to make plays on third down. you got to make plays at the end of the game. you got to put together a drive against Alabama. Like, well, it's very different, though, than what Ryan Grubb had at Washington the last couple of years where he had weaponry galore on the outside. So what will that look like? We'll have a more in-depth discussion on Ryan Grubb coming up in 20 minutes after everything you need to know next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, it didn't start off like the world's most interesting game. In fact, through the first half, kind of boring. In the second half, it got better. By the fourth quarter, it was great. And eventually, in overtime, it was Patrick Mahomes doing his thing. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! This was the Andy Reid special we talked about. He was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hardman, who they didn't have, right? And they go get Hardman and bring him back. And the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career. He's been waiting for. He's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it in an overtime. He is the best. He is the standard. Your Michael Jordan wins it again. Oh, so you and Tony Romo are basically Jeez. on the same page, Brock. We already knew oh, that. No, I muted that. I well, had, you're I, both you both think he's like Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, basically, you're the same guy. Yeah, basically. Gosh. 
for the Super Bowl. That was a rough broadcast. You should have seen my text chain with my producer and director, Benetti and Allison, just from a just from a production standpoint. But we'll get to that in takeaways when we do that about an hour from now. Mahomes, yeah, that's the first time I mentioned the name Jordan. I, I Maybe Romo did plant that in my head, but I hadn't thought that when he won the other Super Bowls. I hadn't thought that when he won all these AFC title games and been on the stage over and over and over and over. But yesterday, doing it with the supporting cast around him, Salk, doing it against that defense, it was so good. They were like the New York Knicks, man, with Oakley and those guys just trying to hit him and keep him contained and get their bodies around him. And the run game really wasn't present. He had 66 of those rushing yards. He threw for 333. He's the MVP, and he's the best playing the position right now on the planet. Yeah, when he needed it, Brock, they went for uh, the old standby play call. This is what Patrick Mahomes said it was. Uh, the, the call is different, but it's like the same exact motion as Corndog. And we brought it back at the right time. Coach Reza, he's a legend, man. He'll do that. It's just Corndog, Brock. It's just Corndog, so... You know what that is? We'll have to ask um, Coach McDonald how you defend corn dog. <laughs> what's the What's yeah. the secret to defending corn yes. dog? Yeah, that yeah. might be my. I, hey, Mike, I know this kind of random, <laughs> and welcome to Seattle. But how do you defend corn dog? Yeah, well, I'm sure uh, the Seahawks PR staff is listening right now, preparing him with questions. <laughs> so maybe they'll prepare him for the corn dog one. I thought the Niners were pretty sloppy, uh, especially at the early part of the game. The pre-snap penalties turnover block pat did you think they should have taken the ball uh first in overtime i i didn't really mind it in that moment but in retrospect you see the advantage of knowing the hand you, you know you're going up against here's the hand you got to play and you, you know you go into four down mode so i can totally understand that after the fact I, i'd be wrong if i told you i was livid and oh my gosh i was screaming right. at the tv and what are you doing did you think that his defense having just been out there for 11 plays mattered? plays a role i think plays a role in some of that he sure. didn't use that he didn't say it here's what shanahan said cut three after the game this is something we talked about with none of us have a ton of experience of it but we went through all the analytics and talked to those guys and we just thought it'd be better we wanted the ball third but both teams matched and scored we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win and got that field goal so we knew we had to hold him to at least a field goal and if we did then we thought it was in our hands after that yeah yeah the problem with that though is that only works if there's a field goal yeah the problem with that is when you're playing the elite and the very very best and you could talk to tom brady and peyton manning and those guys about it they wanted to know i got to score a touchdown right like they wanted to know in those two minute drills at times like hey man what exactly do i have to have and you know that you're in four down mode Right. They knew they were there was no flinching. There was no panic. There wasn't probably going to be anyway with Mahomes, but they knew exactly what well, the hand was on the other it's side. Even more than team. that, because if, if you score a touchdown on your first drive, yep. Mahomes goes down, scores a touchdown. They're going to go for two yep. rather than give you an opportunity to get the ball third. So right. unfortunately for him, his idea that, oh, we wanted the ball third. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really work that way. The only real defense for it is that his defense, his defense was tired. Was tired. Yep. And I would absolutely buy it as a perfectly good reason. Yep. But he didn't use that, which kind of surprised me. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, after what seemed like a very long search, the Seahawks did end up with the first name we had heard, Ryan Grubb. They went back to the beginning. He's going to be their new offensive coordinator. A lot of happy football fans in this area, Brock, and I get the sense you're among them. Yeah, I think it's a I, I, 
you know, to use a John Schneider word, I think a really cool hire. He's a cool guy. His stuff and his system. We were sitting right there in those chairs, Salk, when we talked to Coach Carroll on the air, off the air, and, and in particular off the air about what Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb are doing mm-hmm. in the innovation. And, man, these guys are just on it. They've been on it everywhere that they have gone. There's got to be something to this system. And, you know, getting to be on the inside a little bit and watch that system and watch them operate and how they communicate and how they install and how they go about. I'm sure that Mike McDonald and John Schneider were equally intrigued. And when it was all said and done, and you interview a lot of different people, you come back to Ryan Grubb. I think you saw the report in the Seattle Times. It just, again, is a a bit messy. I spoke to this over the weekend, and the good, the bad, and the ugly of this hire and the ugly is, well, did you wait 30 days so that transfer portal could close in Alabama so those players, (laughs) you know, didn't go in that portal if Grubb was going to leave? I don't know. It's just the whole thing is just in college football, that portal, all of it. Well, it sounds like the good news is he's bringing Scott Huff with him as well. Yep. Should be able to help with the line offensive line guy, man. Play, that is good news. Yeah. You know, I've said that for the last month as we've talked about this. The thing that is the benefit, you get two and one. Yeah, he's going to bring Scott Huff, and he will be the O-line coach, but you get a guy that understands it's built from the line of scrimmage out. Here's the third thing you need to know. Football season now done, and uh, you can almost immediately turn the page to baseball. It used to be multiple weeks. Now Mariners, pitchers, pitchers and catchers reporting in just two days. Position players will be right behind them. Still a bunch of big-name free agents out there, Brock. Sort of the yep. big four with Bellinger, Chapman, the two pitchers. Then if you want to add a fifth, Jorge Soler would probably be out there as well. If you want to get one of them, here's what you need to be rooting for, I think, is for Bellinger to go back to the Cubs. If that happens, I think Chapman's market starts to disintegrate. Mm. So that's what you're rooting for right now. Yeah. I think I'm rooting a little bit more for the arm than anything else. You know, Chapman would play a, a great third base and do that. I just don't, I'm just concerned about the bat. That he'd be one of these kind of veteran guys that would come here and that bat has lost some of its juice over the last few years and even in Toronto and hitting in the American League East and all of those parks last year. So I don't know if I'm cheering as much for him, Salk, as I am intrigued about some of these arms. And I saw the White Sox GM say, yeah, Dylan is still out there. If we can find a match and we can find a partner, you know, he is still out there on the trading block. Probably for me, more intrigued by arms than I am yeah, bats at this point. That would point. shock me. I don't think the Mariners yep. are going to move in that direction. That is everything you need to know uh, quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk show. And those photos were flying. What day was that? Friday night? Dino's became the most popular just <laughs> hot spot. Everybody had to get there. Bob Condota, you know, put it, got out of his PJs and found a way to get down there. Everybody just had to be around. Wait, you're saying Bob went down there? Oh, yeah. Oh, what? I believe I believe so. No. Oh, I think so. I think that's what the report said. They went down there? I thought they just, like, saw everybody taking pictures. I mean, yeah. like, why do you need to go down there? Well, you, you got to be on top of the news. I mean, so. the pictures were a little fuzzy. Yeah. Oh, were uh-huh. they? They seemed sure. pretty clear. <laughs> It wasn't like Bigfoot was in the background. It was like, yes. well, there's John Schneider and there's Mike McDonald. And oh, the first. Let's there's Ryan Grubb. Let's be. Clear. It was the back of Schneider's head and like a fuzzy picture of McDonald. Which one did you see? I saw the ones of the three of them. There were like 25 pictures out. There. I oh, think after, more came out yeah. after it was confirmed. Uh, yes, after the first little Sasquatch picture, then there were uh, okay. a whole bunch more. Yeah. Got it. And maybe my time. Kim, the epicenter of news Friday night, Salk. Yeah. 
I'm right by there now because I'm here at the Seahawks mm-hmm. facility. Maybe I should go over there. Do you think they have like crime scene tape around? Like, and here's where it was. Like, you can well, do remember a whole that's recreation. where we took Roger and the other, you know, winners yes. of our top five. Jacqueline, we had a nice moment. meal there, and yeah, they should probably have a Schneider special because it sounds like that's where deals get done. Apparently, is, is right yeah, you always told deals. me it's the Roanoke, but nope, apparently not it's, anymore. Uh, not, not anymore. anymore. Surprised they weren't over there. All right, the Seahawks now have a coaching staff, Brock. What are they going to do next? I've got four or five questions of things that I can't wait to see. It's mm. next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I think we've been sort of waiting for the big hire, right? Once they got Mike McDonald, we were just waiting, Brock, to see what mm-hmm. they did offensively and now that they've got a coaching staff now that they've got their coordinators in place and some of the other main not in the entire staff but pretty close to being filled out now i'm really excited to see what influence all of that has on the major excuse me major decisions they have to make personnel wise etc which players are they going to bring back yeah you got your d coordinator you got your old coordinator you got your special teams coach a lot of them are pretty darn young, Salk. Young and experienced as far as NFL play calling experience. Jay Harbaugh obviously never, you know, has put together a special teams, whole unit and staff and, and doing all of that. Um, you know, I think it'll be easiest for your English-speaking defensive coordinator because a lot of that will be Mike McDonald, but he's going to be front-facing. He's going to have to lead that defensive unit. Um, mm-hmm. We'll do so for the first time in, in his career. And then Ryan Grubb's got loads of experience calling plays and done it at the highest of levels the last couple of years at Washington. But, you know, there's going to be an adjustment to yeah, the NFL game and NFL hash marks and everything else. I'm kind of curious to see before you get to that because that'll all be next year. Like, what do they do right now? Yes. Like, okay, if you're Ryan Grubb, what players on this team do you want? Mm-hmm. Do you want Geno Smith? Does that fit what you want? Do you like the whole, you know, do you want to try to find a way to keep DK and Tyler and JSN together and mm-hmm. set up something similar to what you had? Do you want to target a player like Penix? Do you, would you be more comfortable with a JJ McCarthy? Do you, there's so many options that I, yes. I really am curious to see how the the coaching decisions yep. affect the personnel decisions. Yes. Are you going to be a 60% plus passing team as you were the last couple of years, building a, a top five offense with a Michael Penix? You know, Joel Klatt talking about those 20 throws a game where Penix is dropping back and and, you know, the ball is in his hands and he's got to make a volume of, of plays or are you going to be closer to a 50-50 can you get down to you know what Mike McDonald may want, which is hey I, I want you to, to control the line of scrimmage and and you know I want you to to eat up time. That? And, what's that? Do you think he can, or do you think he wants it sixty forty? I think Mike McDonald and John Schneider, when they went through the entire process, said we're going to hire the best guy, just like John Schneider went into it thinking I'm going to hire the best guy. So let me hire the best guy and and one that is innovative and smart and it's got that. And I bet we hear it from Mike McDonald in two hours that growth mindset. Right. And isn't just so stuck in his one system and stuck in his one way mm. that, yeah, I, I think that uh, in order you know, to put this thing together and, and break bread and drink beers at Dino's, it was, you know, hey, man, we're, we're of the same ilk. We're of the same mindset. Put our players and put our personnel in the best position possible. I think what you're asking, Salk, is how much wholesale change will there be in this yeah, roster? I, I think so. The, or maybe these even guys specific. now leading it. Like, mm-hmm. is there anybody on this roster? who saw the the coaching moves of the last week and a half and said, uh-oh, I'm probably not here anymore. 
Mm. Is there anybody who saw the moves of the last couple of weeks and right. said, nice, I am about to have a lot of success <laughs> on this team moving forward? I just, I'm curious if there are guys that jump out to you one way or another just based on what you know of Grub. Well, I think if we had Jackson Smith and Jigba for a third interview on Radio <laughs> Row and we could say, hey, did you see in town? Did you get much time to watch what was going on north of on 405 of you up there at Montlake? Did you enjoy Jalen McMillan and Michael Penix and, um, you know, just the uh, Roma Dunze? Did you enjoy watching all of those guys? You know, Jalen Polk, a couple thousand yard receivers. They were just spraying the ball to all. I, I bet you a Jackson would be pretty excited. Like, good. Good. I like this guy, man. Innovative. He, he understands how to get guys matchups. The whole league sulk in the NFL. You know, and I said this on my little, I did a little emergency press conference um, the other day, Saturday morning, and in, in just kind of breaking down the scrub news. You held a press conference? Well, no, not quite a press conference. Just a YouTube hit. Got it. Just, just emergency. So you didn't have people asking you questions or anything? No, you? not You don't really. want to open it up to the press for questions? I, no, I didn't. No. So it was more <laughs> of an emergency YouTube hit from the car. I was parked. But I said, you know, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, five years ago, Salk, when the spread system was abundant in college football when it was all about basketball on grass and speed and space. Not even, I'm not even talking just air raid. I'm just talking about spread. And you were like, I don't know how that translates to the NFL because a, you're not going to run no huddle and wear guys down with mm -hmm. 53 and 48 active on a Sunday. So that doesn't really fit B all of these formations you're creating because you have these white hash marks and you have a huge field that doesn't really translate in the NFL is about matchups. You know, and you saw that last night for both of those teams that just tried to, as a play caller, scheme to get to a matchup I can take advantage of. And that, and therein, is the biggest connection that Ryan Grubb has to the NFL hmm. because he's a top five motion, move, shift guy before the snap in college yeah, that football. Came out, that came out last night for, for all of the Romo uh, hate that we'll have yes. on this show today. And there will be quite a bit more because there are moments where you're just it's it's impossible to listen to him talk. One brief moment of clarity I thought he had was describing how the Niners got Brandon Ayuk and his route running skills against the safety. Yes. Do you remember that play? Oh, absolutely. I thought that was really well. He, he explained it really well. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. The way that went. Don't you have to do more of that if yes. you're going to succeed in, with yes. the Seahawks roster? Yes, you do. And, and you know, the Seahawks certainly had done some of that with Shane Waldron. That is in the Shanahan-McVay tree. You know, we, we talked about that during the season with these three tight ends, Salk, and you get to a one-on-one. -on -one. I can think of the huge touchdown catch to Colby Parkinson where you get a six-seven guy on a six-foot corner and advantage Colby in that spot. But that is something within Grubb's system, both in UW and at Fresno and everywhere he's been. Like, this is what we do. We want to get our best guys on a better matchup for us, on your limited guys. And we're going to show you one thing. So you're going to show your cards, and we're going to shift, and we're going to motion. Not too dissimilar to Corndog, the final play of the game, right, where they motion and they get a little bit of an adjustment, and those guys have to communicate. And then, oh, I'm a step late, and that's all it takes in the NFL. You're one step late on one of those motions or leverages in leverage situations, you're dead, and, and you're going to do it. So I, I think for Grubb, and for Mike McDonald, who obviously, think about this as well, talk to his people at Michigan, talk to a John Harbaugh as they had to prepare for this system. You could say, well, Michigan shut it down. And I could say to you, yeah, they did. 
they were really, really physical, and they hit and harassed Penix, which was a great way to shut it down. But there were still a lot of one-on-ones. There were still a lot of opportunities. There were still a lot of plays there and drops and misfires and penalty and situations where, like, hey, man, my job is to get you a one-on-one, and your job is to win it. And I think Grubb is going to fit in very well from that matchup perspective. One of the things I'm kind of excited to see, and, and it's not just a Grubb conversation, it's sort of a coaching staff conversation in general, is how much talent is already on this roster yeah. that wasn't being fully optimized. And I, I don't know how to know the answer to that, right? I mean, could somebody else reach Derek Hall and maybe we'll get more from him in year two? I'd hope so. You have to. Right? It almost Our, feels like a have to. Right? A high second round pick, yeah. Some of those interior offensive linemen that we've spent a lot of time talking about, could could somebody get to them and make them better than they've been? Or is that a talent issue where they're just not good enough? Right. I think that's a super fair question. And I think when a Scott Huff and um, a Ryan Grubb get to the NFL and they look at these pieces that they have, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, can you believe this? We got DK, we got Tyler, we got these running back, you got these tight ends, right? I, th- I think he's going to look at that and go, man, I got a ton of weaponry here to work with. Yeah. And then he's going to face his first NFL defense and go, right. man, That's what I was say. there's Eric Armstead, and there's Bosa, <laughs> and there's like, everybody's elite. Everybody is the best of the best, you know? And yeah, I think that that is a, uh, another one of your very fair questions to ask is which, which guys were super excited when this news came down Friday night and this roster has been built and which are those that, you know, and, and I think for Mike McDonald and the staff, some of that sulk is a work in progress. Right, they'll have, I think, a little bit more time. These first-time staffs, rookie head coaches, get a couple more days of OTAs in the off-season, or they get to start a week earlier. And I'm sure they can't wait to dig into a lot of what you're talking about. And they're going to right now have to lean a whole lot into John and the personnel department. That's got to get going on free agency. Got to get going on a decision that's looming at the end of the week. Got to get going. I'm sure on phone calls to the Leonard Williams and others that you've got to. You know, you you got a you got a lot of work over the weeks ahead leading into the new league year. There's no question about that. I still don't even really know what kind of football they're going to play. I think that's the most amazing thing about kind of where we're at is is just this complete unknown. It feels like even though you kind of t- understand who the coaches are, mm-hmm. I still don't feel like I really know what they're going to look like when they actually get out on the field. Nope, I don't think I do either. And I think anybody that says they do, I think that's going to be a little bit dictated by what. We just got done talking about like, yeah. how are you going to build this thing for the next month in free agency? How many Ravens are you going to bring? How many, you know, different guys from different spots are you going to bring that have some familiarity with the places they've been? Do you want this to look? I mean, is this draft going to look like a Ravens draft where it is just big physical, mm-hmm. you, you kind of, you know, know that identity and line of scrimmage, you know, heavy and driven and, and add a whole bunch of speed and, and all that stuff. I, you know, I think the one nice thing, I think Mike McDonald said this last week and John Schneider is, Hey man, these are two organizations. And you saw in the Super Bowl commercial yesterday, right? When they, when they broke out the YouTube for next year and whatever the NFL, who was flying up in the air? It was the Eagles, the Ravens, the Seahawks were all flying up in the air and landing in people's <laughs> on the people's deck. And like, yeah, the Ravens and Seahawks, these two fly to somewhat similar paths organizationally. They know who they are. They know what they want. They know how to draft. There's a lot of stability, 14 years with John doing these drafts. So I think, again, there's going to be some comfort level for well, some young coaches. That is that is true. On the other hand, one of the things we'll get to see this year is whether the draft changes without Pete there. 
Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, say what you want. There have been some really good John Schneider drafts and there have been some really, really bad ones in there as well. We talked about sort of that empty eight years or so where they really didn't get a tremendous amount out of the draft. Two years ago, they had an unbelievable group last year. I think very good, although it was interesting seeing Brady's redraft where you're like, Mm -hmm. "Ooh, maybe there was a different way to spend those first three or four picks that would have actually made you a better team. So, you know, we don't know how much of a factor Pete was in either the specific players or the types of players that they were drafting every Mm -hmm. year. Yeah, Jim Nagy let us in a little bit into that window when he joined us last week and said over the last couple of years, they've gone back to basics. Mm-hmm. We know that uh, I think Jody Allen challenged him when they made that decision with Russell and what way were they going to go? And and she really challenged them. You know, we're going to move on from Russ and we're going to get back to, to some of your roots. And we heard a lot of that, man. These guys are so excited to get back to, to building this thing like they did in 10 and 11 and 12. Yeah. And those years were guys that were sold out to football more than anything else. And, and got, as Jim said, got back to some of that over the last couple of years where, you know, in, in with an established roster and late round picks, they took a flyer on Malik McDowell and they took a flyer on LJ Collier and some of these guys that maybe in retrospect, as we know, weren't unfortunately the best moves. You ever, uh, you ever watch Super Bowl with anybody in their seventies? Ooh, I don't think I've gotten to watch one with uh, Grandpa Mike and Grandma Peg the last few years. So no, very uh-huh. interesting. Very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. You get a lot of complaints about how things used to be different. <laughs> <laughs> it started right off the bat with my dad. It started uh-huh. the moment the uh, the Vegas uh, like PA announcer got on uh-huh. and started hyping up the the introductions. Sure. And my dad going, "Who is this guy? Why do they have to yell? Why isn't it like they used to do?" <laughs> I just started dying. I was laughing throughout like most of the game. Very entertaining. Oh, that is fun. And the meal was good. The meal was good. Yeah, I was able to find things that my dad would eat. Well, some of them. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, my mom and I made guac, which was great. I made guac. My mom mm-hmm. and I ate the guac. Nice. My dad would not really – he didn't really mm-hmm. like the lemon pepper chicken wings, but he did like the sweet Asian sauce chicken nice. wings. Nice, nice. Air and fryer? Then, uh, huh? Air fryer. fryer. Air fryer. Yeah, air yeah. fryer for both. Nice. nice. And then the, the big hit, though, was I made like a slow cooker – a uh, big like chuck roast thing oh. that I then like pulled apart and oh. put on a King's Hawaiian rolls. Oh, oh, little sliders. Yeah, Ooh. a little slider with some uh, provolone on there. Yeah, and ketchup. Uh, no ketchup. No, oh, no it didn't ketchup. need anything. It had enough sort of onion wow. juice on it. Wow. That didn't even need ketchup. Well yeah. done. My mom offered my dad ketchup though, just in case. Sure. And, sure. Uh, then it was weird I'm when kinda, he started. I'm kind of with Larry. I he mean, put I'm... honey on it and maple syrup. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, I'm. Of course. I did like the old days where they used to just have the close-up of the face and they introduced yeah. the guy and he got to run out. And you should have said your dad, well, it was really the old one Patriots. We had to blame, blame for this. They it's were true. the ones that ran out as a team and took us away from that great tradition of just those solo individual players. Let's do some Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. All right, Brock, as we get ready to talk to Mike McDonald in just a couple hours, 9.30, he will join us here on the show this morning. We've certainly heard a ton of praise for the hire. We saw someone say last week it was the best hire in the whole cycle. Executives around the league seem to like it. Is there anybody not buying it? Uh, Yeah, you know who's not buying it? Uh, Vegas. 
Vegas is not buying it. So just as soon as, you know, they're not buying the higher or they're not buying this year's Seahawks. Yeah, well, probably more of the latter. They're not buying the 25 Super Bowl Seattle Seahawks, because as I look at this and the odds come out right away, guess who's at the very top? Those two that just played San Fran and Kansas City are one and two. Let's see. Where are my Seattle Seahawks? Below Houston, below Chicago, below Cleveland. I can go to Vegas and get 40 to 1 odds. About 19th in the league. Right there tied with the Atlanta Falcons. 40 to 1 odds. I go to another. uh, I'm like, well, maybe that was just one of them. Maybe maybe after winning yesterday with more, I was really excited about my prop bets. And I started to take a look at it. Let me go to another another casino here. Let me see their odds. Oh, nope. Same thing. San Fran, Kansas City. This one actually had the Seahawks 22nd sulk just ahead of the Arizona Cardinals at 66 to 1. So, yeah, those odds makers are not viewing Mike McDonald and this staff and this roster. I don't roster. know whether it's that. They just don't view this roster this necessarily. Roster, as, this as team, first time young head coach, unknown maybe a little bit at the quarterback. Yeah. I'm just telling you, that's not me. That's just what the odds makers saw. Somewhere between 40 and 66 to 1 and somewhere between 18th and 22nd best odds out of 32 I think I would teams. have a hard time putting them much farther ahead than that. Oh, really? Yeah. To win a Super Bowl? It's one thing when you start talking about winning, like, win totals and stuff. I think I might have them higher than some of those two. But Super Bowl? You'd put, them, with, you'd put them next to Atlanta and Arizona? You'd put them on equivalent yeah. pass? Really? Yeah. No, not me. Yeah, I think I might. Yeah, All right, question number two. Uh, So we talked to Jim Nagy last week of the Senior Bowl, and he said that the latter rounds of this draft are not going to be very good. Yes. What else else do we know about this draft? Yeah. um, Well, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, he's Sunday, DJ, tweeted who we're going to get one more time. He said, I believe we're going to see four to five teams looking to moving up for a quarterback over the next few months. Teams are not excited about next year's QB class. Uh, Dane Brugler, someone we have chatted with before. This is the key point, and part of the reason we'll see several teams be very aggressive quarterback hunting in the first round. Could a quarterback emerge next year like Jane Daniels did? Sure, but right now, next year's quarterback class is looking very underwhelming. So we could see some pretty darn aggressive moves. What does that and how does that play in for you as you're sitting there in the middle of the first round? And if you do indeed, and Mike McDonald knows J.J. McCarthy better than, well, just about anybody else, not named Jim Harbaugh, but he's got Justin Herbert down there. So he's not shopping for J.J. So where does he, and he's kind of, to me, somewhat of the linchpin. I think you know the guys at the very, very top in Drake and Jaden and in Caleb. After that, I think it becomes very intriguing because there is not a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix or a J.J. McCarthy right now looking into the 2025 class. All right, question number three. We talked to Kurt Warner on Friday, and he made you know a, a standard point, but he thought he said it very well about quarterbacks and saying, do you want a guy or do you want the guy, that guy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that he was talking about Gino in that regard. You think about that much over the weekend? I did because right. yesterday, I mean, all throughout that game, and Brock Purdy's a guy. He is a guy. He is a great facilitator. Did you see him complete one deep ball in the whole game? Nope. You saw one beautiful little kind of corner out route. He overthrew two other deep balls. Like I'm watching that game going, okay, 
you know, there's a little bubble, there's a little slant, there's a little flat, there's a little naked, there's a little, you know, nice little in-cut through a couple nice in-cut salt that, you know, the ball's in the air 20 to 25 yards. But how many of those throws are you just like, whoa, well, that is just different. I mean, he's a guy. He's a guy that facilitates. He's got great poise. He's got great toughness. He's got underrated athleticism to get out of plays and extend plays and avoid sacks. He did a lot of really good things, but he's a guy. And then you're going up against the guy. And how many the guys are there? Truly. Is, 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 is Lamar Jackson the guy? I mean, you watch a whole bunch of the games, and you're like, yep, that's the guy. I mean, he's you been an MVP him. twice, so I would he, say yes. Yep. You know, you watch Josh Allen, and you're like, yep. Just from a skill set standpoint, that's the guy. I mean, he had 40-some touchdowns this year. Mm-hmm. He, he ran all over the place. You can't tackle him. And then he can make throws that no other human on the earth can make, not even Patrick Mahomes with the talent of his arm. But, you know, you go beyond that, two or three. Is Joe Burrow, Justin, is Joe Burrow the guy? Of course he's the guy. He's the guy? He's one of those the guys, Patrick Mahomes. He's one of the few that beat Patrick Mahomes in the Yep, Yep. but he's not been able to finish a season, right, two out of the last three years on the field, unfortunately, with a durability issue that's now going to be real. It's less than one hand, Salk. Go ask that poor girl who was all medicated whether or not Joe Burrow's the guy. So how do you you want to go about this? How do you want to go about this? Do you want to go pursuing like crazy? Uh, question two there. Do you want to go like crazy in this draft? I felt like I finally had a decision on this. I finally felt like I was ready to say keep Gino uh-huh. and don't go draft anybody. But now you're telling me next year's draft stinks. You're uh, you're making this hard on me. It's difficult, Salk. What do you want from me? Uh, don't make me flip flop. <laughs> don't make me sing. All right, that's over. That's uh, today's. Uh, oh, you're not going to sing. Oh, Salk, you're not going to sing. No. Somebody is that, else is somebody going to sing? Somebody else may have to sing. I don't know. I, I heard like rumblings before the show that, that someone else wasn't real happy no. about me just throwing out what the bet was without oh. any conversation. You just said time. you wanted a shot at me because I won our playoff pool, so uh-huh. I thought we were just doing it for pride, and then sure. all of a sudden in the sure. middle of the segment, you were like, loser sings. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe that was unfair. Do you call that unfair? <laughs> A little bit. I mean, I didn't hear any like at the time. I think because you were on vacation when I sang, you were you were trying to. I have missed both times where you sang. Mm. You did DMX, right? I think that that may have preceded me or something. And then, what was your next? What was what was your second hit? You laid down. I was late. uh, Chop suey system of down. Uh It's pretty good. I mean. I don't know. I'm taking submissions. I I put it on Twitter last night or on Uh X, excuse me. And uh, we don't have a ton so far. Lots of Taylor Swift and Usher. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let me know. <laughs> Sing about yogurt. I mean, if it was going to go to a sixth quarter, you were going to win, Mora. I mean, you were you were eventually. I needed eleven yards from McCaffrey. That's yeah, it. That was it. I got the Purdy one. Uh huh. You got the uh, odd number jersey score first. Yeah. I shouldn't have told you because we were both thinking that it was just the first to score, which would yeah. have been Jake Moody, who had an even number. Correct. But it was actually the first to score a touchdown. So you Salk won that is one. always a stickler for the terms and read the paper over again. It's like, no, a touchdown, yeah. not a kicker. Salt, have we ranked Sings? Sings? Yeah, have we ranked Sing? That'd be a good one. I think so. Oh, I think it. we have. Sing. <laughs> sing out loud. Singer. All right. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Mora. You're going to have to sing. Those are the terms. All right. You agreed to them. I take no pride in this. I had nothing to do with this. Yep. I'm just, uh, uh, you know, I came at the queen. Sure. I <laughs> came at the queen, man. I was willing to compete with the queen. And what man, did you say? Did You're I... going to go offshore. What did you say? Me? Or no, Mora. I thought she said, said she was there getting... was collusion. I'm sure. Uh, oh, collusion. Oh, yeah. sure. I had nothing to do with this. I wanted out of it from the beginning. Yep. This was all Brock. And yep. when you are mad later because you're singing, you can blame all of it on him. All mm-hmm. right. There was one person 
who is particularly relevant here in Seattle, who seemed most affected by the scene last night. We'll tell you who that is next on Brock and Salk.